You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Alongside here, the Jake Martin. The Jake Martin from the Washington Ooh. Citizen. Jake, what's up, buddy? What is happening? How are we today? Uh, doing pretty well. How was your weekend? It was good. Nice little uh, birthday weekend with the mother. So, got to celebrate her and everything. Right. It was good. Good. What about you? Uh, mixed bag. Oh, yeah. You didn't have a good one. So, sometimes, you know, life's going along. You're like, all right, this is pretty good. <laughs> Made a little day trip, trip over to Shreveport. Yeah. Gambled a little bit. All right. A, had a great day. A day trip turned into an evening stay and a, and a night over in Shreveport. You're like, life is good. Uh-huh. You're winning. <laughs> yeah, you are winning. Then you return home and they seize out. You're not winning. Worst time of the year for that. <laughs> well, it wasn't too hot this weekend, at least. Looked on the positive side. True. Yeah. Uh, but it's better to get that qu- fixed quick. Well, you know, it does happen on a Saturday. You get home Saturday afternoon. So, well, it'll be fixed today. So, the last two days were a little warm. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to sleep, right? <laughs> yeah. How many did you have more than five fans pointed at you when you're trying <laughs> yeah. to sleep? Because that still wouldn't be enough. <laughs> well, there is. Fans were on sale at the Dollar General, so that was a win. Mm, nice little plug for Dollar General. <laughs> yes. So anyway, sometimes you're going along, sometimes you're what, the bug, sometimes you're the windshield. You were both yes. this weekend, <laughs> so that's good. Plenty to discuss. Hit us up on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line, 888-993-7762. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. A number of uh, stories to dive into on headlines on this Monday morning. Where do you want to start, Jake? Oh, you're giving me the option. Yeah. Well, you know where I'm going, then. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dustin, the Diamond Poirier. Thankfully, this is the last weekend that we won't have football. <laughs> Listen, he won in the second round, second round TKO. It was absolutely beautiful. So violent. He earned that most violent man in the UFC title mm. by beating Eddie Alvarez. A little bit of controversy in the fight. Um, what was controversial about it? Well, at one point, right before he stopped him, Eddie Alvarez was on top of, of Dustin Poirier next to the cage, and he had him. He basically had his legs wrapped around uh, Poirier to where Poirier. It would have been very difficult for Poirier to escape. I say that, but Poirier is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I have faith that he would have been able to get out of that precarious position. That said, precarious, nice. That said. He was against the cage, and Eddie Alvarez, you cannot throw a 12 to 6 elbow, which is if you raise your elbow and you come straight down, you can't throw it. It's illegal. Eddie Alvarez does, and he gets the position taken away from him. So they both stood up, mm. and that is when Dustin Poirier landed the shot that hurt Eddie Alvarez and then poured it on. And it was exactly how Tim Crater said. Actually, he messaged me the next day and said, Cowboys parking lot. For those of you who, who got to hear his interview last Friday, he said that's how Dustin Poirier would win. And, man, it was so exciting. Great night of fights. And uh, now Dustin's in line for a title shot, which is really cool. I will admit, uh, Jake showed me the 45-second-to-a-minute clip of the how that thing ended. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't bad. No, it's exciting, man. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, I knew that was going to be a fun fight, A, because we saw it before, B, both guys are just fan-friendly fighters. They're exciting to watch. Two guys just throwing haymakers. Yeah, yeah. They're looking to end the fight. They're not looking to score points. Blood all over the ring. <laughs> yeah. If you're bloodthirsty, mm. well, it was good, though. Dustin got the win. Happy for him. Louisiana's own. And our guy called it on Friday. Yeah, he predicted it. Second round. Nice. What you got? Uh, we got some football news. And uh, let's start with uh, John Bailey Gallette. Of course, we mentioned this last week that – he had an important decision to make, and of course, the clock was ticking with the college football programs about to report this week to camp. Of course, John Bailey uh, originally signed at Army. He's been released out of that scholarship, so now John Bailey was out there looking for a school to go to, and they've worked out some kind of agreement with ULM. So what, the two-time Defensive Player of the Year in 5A will now be a Warhawk. Yes, he will. Uh 
And so I'm interested to see how, how this helps. I mean, I think it will help ULM, no doubt, whether it's on the field or, or off the field. I think he was a great teammate for West Monroe. He was a great captain for them. So, you know, bare minimum, you get a really good locker room guy, and let's see how he develops in that system. Yeah, and the other thing is, uh, I mean, I can't – there hasn't been a lot of West Monroe guys that have made their way over to yeah. ULM. Yeah. If I go back to Shapley, uh, Gooden, that's a long time ago. Hmm. There hasn't been many that, of course, have made that short journey across the river to ULM. Maybe this will open up a few more doors for ULM into West Monroe. Could. Very well could. John Bailey, uh, just an incredible high school career. When you're talking about the all-time leading tackler in the history of that program, what, 500, I think 530 tackles in yeah. his career. And I think it was his junior year, had like 189 tackles, something like that. So, yeah, man, he had a, a tremendous career at West Monroe, and it'll be fun to see what he does at ULM. All the kid does is make plays and makes tackles. We'll see how that translates into the college game. He will be on the campus, and, of course, he will be at practice when uh, the Warhawks actually get underway Wednesday afternoon. Also, let's stay there. Let's stay in the high school ranks. Um, a big commitment over the weekend, uh, his former teammate, yeah. Dalvin Hutchinson, who will be a senior this fall, uh, defensive tackle for West Monroe. He has committed to the Raging Cajuns. Now, you had a chance to talk to Dalvin just literally, what, uh, two weeks ago, and you, you talked about the recruiting process with him and the number of schools that were lining up. You a little surprised that he went ahead and made this commitment to the Cajuns? A little bit. I am surprised. But I think the bigger takeaway from this is Billy Napier's impact in this in this region because so far he's gotten Hutchinson and Logan Newell from, from Neville. So you're looking at two of the, uh, the better players in the trenches on both sides in the area. I, I said it whenever Napier was, was hired by – ULL, I said that that was a great hire because he was so familiar with this area. Uh, Rob Sale is down there, too. That's that as well. Yeah. Another another big uh, – so you're talking about two guys that know the area very well. Mm -hmm. So, man. Um, and, of course, Dalvin making his way from Wasman over to West Monroe yeah. last year. I mean, the back half of the season, the guy was just dominating the defensive line. The one knock against him, you'd think maybe some bigger programs would be after him, SEC-like, just uh, his height. His height. Uh, if he was over six foot, I think you would see a lot. Uh, some SEC schools really going after him. But that said, you talked about his performance last year. You know, twice against Ruston and Washtenaw Parish, he had more than ten tackles. As this, a defensive lineman. As a defensive lineman. So you're talking about a guy who really impacted the game. I can't wait to see what he does this fall. And I just think that's a great pickup for the Raging Cajuns. So uh, the Cajuns get a verbal commitment from Dalvin Hutchinson. I thought this was certainly newsworthy over the weekend. You certainly love the fact that Paul Turner got a chance with the Saints, and then, of course, the former Rebel cut from the Saints. Paul has found a new home. He is now at the training camp with the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that, of course, he first made a preseason name for himself a few years back. So Paul's getting another shot at the league. Yeah, good for him. Um, let me give you one more high school note, which is not, actually not here. John Emery from Destrehan. The five-star running back just recently polished as a five-star. He has picked Georgia over LSU and Mississippi State. Now, this is this comes after uh, Micaiah Tongue from University picked Georgia as well. He's a four-star wide receiver. The Tongue commitment doesn't really hurt LSU. The Emory commitment can hurt LSU because LSU needs running backs. They whiffed. Um, couple times recently and now they whiff again with Emory now they're looking at Noah Kane from IMG uh, as, as a potential uh, future star he, he's listed his top six and LSU's in that top six but still you lose a guy in your backyard to Georgia who is absolutely wrecking the recruiting game right now uh, it's not it's not not great news LSU deprived of running backs it's it's funny huh <laughs> It's 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 random. I mean, it's it's not um, what we're used to. No. Now they're but seriously, that's what you're looking at this year with this this roster. You're like, who's going to step up and be the guy? And the future now is getting a little cloudier. They were starting to feel better about Emory. Like last week, I was hearing you know people were starting to think, yeah, I think I think he's he's going to pick LSU over State. Then he goes and visit visits uh, Georgia and says he's 110 percent committed to Georgia. So. Mm -hmm. 
That's just how the recruiting game works. Ben takes a little shot at the Cajuns. I wonder if Napier can get ULL's first win over Tech since 1996. <laughs> Other college football news from the weekend. Slick Nick, Nick Saban has a new contract, or at least a contract extension. Uh, we'll pay him through the 2025 season. Now pays him $8.3 million for the 2018 football season. <laughs> the best tweet from the weekend, uh, I saw somebody retweeted that and said, you know, guys, I'm starting to think Nick's not coming back to LSU. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the rich get richer, and who's more deserving than Nick Saban? I apologize. This actually added one more year to his contract. It will now extend him through to 2026. Anyway, he fulfills that entire the entirety of that contract. Yeah, I think so. I think he's got a good shot. The deal's worth $74.4 million. It will bump his average salary to about $9.3 million a year if he sticks around for the duration of the contract. And then what's to say if the 66-year-old doesn't win a couple more titles in the next couple of years, they just rework this deal? I just see him as the new Joe Pa, like as far as longevity in the game. I don't see him retiring before then. But who knows? I mean, life comes at you fast. 12th season now at Alabama. Any guess what his record is or how many games that he's lost in those 12 or in those 11 seasons with Bama? 23. 20. 20. Hmm. Pretty amazing. 127 and 20 at Alabama. Yeah. That first year he lost six games? I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, and the one to ULM. Yeah, yeah. Nick Saban has a new contract with Alabama. Shouldn't come as a shock. Other headlines from this weekend. Dixie Majors World Series continues out at the new Sterlington Complex. The host squad, Monroe, off to a great start. Had to play a little late last night, of course, the weather that blew through yesterday afternoon. But uh, once they got started, uh, the Majors take care of business. It goes eight innings. They win two to nothing. Heath with a two-run shot to give them a decisive win. And the West Washita arms, uh, the former arms, I should say, with Luke Cunnicutt and Austin Tidwell doing well in both of those games. Uh, Majors off to a hot start. They'll play again tonight, I believe, at 7 o'clock. Yes, 7 p.m. Other uh, headlines out at Bayou this year, the Cotton States, the 67th annual Cotton States have wrapped up. Blake Collier wins this thing. Of course, it is match play. Does it get any better than that in match play? Not only to win, but in your round, you have a hole-in-one. No, it can't get better than that. And the best thing, match play, hit the hole in one. All right, I won this hole. Let's move on. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, pretty sweet. Um, believe that's his second time to ever have a hole in one as well. So perfect time to do so. Uh, I did point out uh, Monroe will play today at seven o'clock. Another undefeated team in the tournament. You want to do our Houston Astros update? You know what? I forgot to oh. prep my Houston Astros. This is not good news for the Houston Astros. So they're taking on the Texas Rangers uh, this weekend, and you're thinking, all right, well, that'll be an easy uh, series win for them against the cellar dwellers. That was not the case. In fact, the Rangers sweep the Astros this weekend. Oh. What is up with our Astros? They lose uh, game three, four to three. Now they will travel to Arizona. How rare was this for a team is playing as well as the Astros to lose to a team that's been playing horribly like the Rangers. ESPN Stats and Info points out that the Rangers swept the Astros, marking the first time a team 20 games under 500 sweeps a team plus 20 games over 500 while on the road since September of 2006 when the Royals did it against the Tigers. What a stat. Yeah. They did some digging on that one. Yeah. Incredible. You know, it's – the Astros can't can't win every single one of them, Aaron. So I understand. they'll come back. They'll come back. Other headlines from this weekend, Jake. Got a couple here. Um, LeBron opened up about his school, his I Promise School. Thought this was pretty cool. The fact that he's donating, you know, millions to the project, and his hope is that this school, uh, they're going to have more than forty staff members to run the school, and they're attempting to uh, accelerate the development of these kids. These these kids that um, will qualify for the program through uh, socioeconomic factors. Um, but I thought this was cool. He is a, James has arranged for free tuition to the University of Akron starting in 2021 
for kids who complete this program. Mm. And so his goal is to have, you know, more than 1,200 kids pass through this program and into college by 2029. That's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. You love to hit on LeBron, but, you know, you need to point out some of the great stuff he does for his community. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. A headline that certainly caught my attention. We had him on the show last week. How about the two students from Louisiana Tech, the River Dogs? They have completed the journey, Jake. They have now kayaked the entire Mississippi River. Yesterday they arrived in the Gulf. They uh, got out of their kayaks, and I don't think they'll ever get back in those kayaks. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> they sounded like they – I mean, when we talked to them last week, they were not thrilled about the, that idea. I think it's 2,554 miles <sighs> in a kayak. How many days? Well, it was 56 when we had him on the show, so it was around 60 days. Around 60? Yeah. <laughs> Congrats, young man. Yeah. A few headlines from this weekend. If we missed one or two, certainly hit us up at 888-993-7762. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Painkiller. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. As Mondays typically are, I only have one guest scheduled. This is your opportunity, of course, to shine and be the star of the show by hitting us up on the text slash hotline. Nick White, the voice of the Warhawks, though, will join us at 8.30 as they get ready to kick things off on Wednesday with their first practice. we got a lot of sound, though, we'll play from you kind of throughout the show from college football and the NFL. we got a Saints training camp report coming up here probably in the next segment. Yeah, we need to talk some Saints. I also want to talk about this uh, helmet hit presentation that the league tried to do with the Philadelphia Eagles. Did not go over too well. Uh, share some insight on that. Also, should athletes have Twitter? That is the question because Ooh. it is coming back to bite a lot of athletes. Sweets from the past continue to resurface. Should athletes hire someone or immediately go back through their tweets throughout the last uh, couple of years and say, "Eh, that probably didn't come across like I wanted. Is that going to get me in trouble down the road? Just delete it altogether, probably. That's that's probably the way to go. I wouldn't be surprised to see more athletes do that after this past weekend. Uh, That story coming up after the break on the morning drive. Hit us up, 888-993-7762. We're back after this. Welcome back to the show. Did you watch any of the Baseball Hall of Fame ceremonies this weekend? I did not. Did you? I did not. <laughs> okay. Good talk. You know what I did watch, though, uh, yesterday? What's uh, that? NFL Network training camp live. That's how much I wanted to see some football. And they were actually uh, live from uh, the Falcons training camp of all places, mm. too. Yeah. That didn't make you change the channel. No, because then they would go around to other camps, and we just wanted to hear it talk a little football, breaking down some franchise. Sure. Yeah. And on live TV, Julio Jones made a nice catch. There's your uh, one training, of many training camp update from Aaron Dietrich. You're not all in just to just to hear football sure, talk. And, sure, but I mean, I'm ready to see actual game, and I mean an actual preseason game. We'll have one this weekend. Yeah, look forward to it. Mm. All right, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and get to this Twitter conversation because this weekend was not kind to a couple of athletes. First, let's start with the Braves. Sean Newcomb. Highlight of his career, right? Highlight of his career. Doesn't get any better than this. He pitched a no-hitter versus the Dodgers. Go, Yeah, he's he's in route. I'm telling you, he's on his way to a no-hitter. And I think it was during the no-hitter that the tweets surfaced. I don't know who these people are, but there are some people who, if someone is doing really well at something, and this isn't just sports. This is we saw this with James Gunn with Disney slash Marvel. He was recently fired for for past tweets. People will dig up your past tweets. I don't know how long this takes, mm. but they will find something offensive you said or something that you might have said in in joking, and they will, you know, post it without context. Which Twitter, that's Twitter. You're posting jokes without context, and you're posting uh, these things that maybe you meant to. to Maybe it meant for your buddies to laugh. And in Sean Newcomb's case, he tagged his buddy a couple of times mm. in his tweets. Meant to make him laugh, I'm assuming. Yet, it's not a good look. So, the tweets, I can't read them on air. Mm-hmm. But Sean Newcomb, uh, just 
he 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 wrote homophobic slurs basically, uh, saying some things that you shouldn't say, and uh, this was back in 2011 and 2012. He was 17 slash 18 years old when he tweeted this. So the question is, Aaron, this all comes up, and he has to he has to say issue a statement. He says, I just wanted to apologize for any insensitive material. It was a long time ago, six or seven years ago, saying some stupid stuff with friends. I know I've got I've grown a lot since then. I didn't mean anything by it. It was just something stupid I did a long time ago, and I didn't mean anything by it for sure. Mm. Question is, Aaron, should athletes have Twitter? Yeah, because that's where they can connect and they have that interaction with the, the fans. I mean, that is the one way that fans can actually reach them. Now, whether they interact or they read their mentions, that's up to them. But, yeah, they should have Twitter. But you got to, of course, you know, be a little smarter yeah. in what you tweet out. But so you're and, and you shouldn't be acting like you're just talking to your buddy. But you're in high school at the time. Yeah. You're in high school at the time. Twitter is relatively new. I remember getting on Twitter when it was new. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that said, even if he did mean to say those homophobic slurs, I mean, people do change. It's seven years. Mm-hmm. So can you – can you if a guy has shown growth, like how much can you fault him for his mm-hmm. past comments? We're talking about comments here. We're not talking about actions like he didn't commit a crime or anything. Mm-hmm. He, he said something stupid, and he was a young, stupid kid. So that's always the debate we get into. You and I have discussed this before, uh, just about the DiVincenzo kid uh-huh. from, from Villanova. Um, you know, t- I think he was tweeting out like rap lyrics or whatever, and people, and, and of course it included the N word. So people were upset about that. But he was in high school tweeting out rap lyrics. Sounds kind of common to me. So let's go through the time of events, how this plays out. So Newcomb is literally in the midst of pitching the greatest game of his life, right? He came with win one out of pitching a no-hitter. His no-hitter uh, bro- uh, broken up a, a two-out single in the ninth inning. He's in the locker room. He's celebrating, and then he picks up his phone in post-game, and then he starts looking at some of the mentions on Twitter, and then he's like, rut so first he meets with the media. It's all about the game and, of course, his incredible performance. And then uh, they realize they got a problem. So to his credit, they literally welcome the media back in mm-hmm. 30 minutes later. Yeah. And then, of course, he issues the apology. Smart move by him. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a little bit of the, the pressure off. We got a text here. When an athlete excels on a given day <coughs> or a given game, should reporters dig through his background or social media to discredit him? Yeah. No. And I don't even like using reporters in that. I mean, I don't, <laughs> even, know, I don't even know if they're reporters. No, it is, these are social media justice uh, warriors. So Those are guys who just hang out in the gutters. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, if it's something if it's something he said with the Braves, if it's something he did with the Braves, okay, that's fair, I think. Yeah. You disagree with that? But we're talking about high school, Aaron. Yeah. We're talking about high school. And then you know, I mean, we see tweets from kids nowadays that you're like, ah, that's extremely questionable. And then you, we hear reports about how college coaches go through tweets of high schools. You know, yeah. And we've heard in the past about how they've revoked a scholarship or but two you, or an offer because of things that they've seen on Twitter. And you said you said something there. You said you got to be smarter if you're an athlete. But Aaron, what if you're in high school? Still got to take responsibility. And I know we've all said and done some things when we were a teenager, but it wasn't all public at that point because you're not putting it out there on social media, have at least never, back in the day. Have you never said something to, to try to be funny, to try to impress a girl? Like, I've been there. Like, I've tried to say something funny, and, and then when you see that girl that you're trying to impress laugh, yeah. makes you kind of want to do it more. Yeah. And then you grow and up. Then you take it to another level. And then you too. grow then up. Then you push the boundaries even more. Sure. But, and you're, but back then, it's not Twitter wasn't like it is today. Back then – not as many people were on Twitter, yeah. and a he wasn't this this uh, franchise player that we all know. But w- when it's that small and you're only following and, and and people only following you are your buddies, yeah. like you just say you talk how you talk in real life, mm. and these people know you; they know who, who you truly are. So you can do that; you can get away with that without the context. Mm. Now today. On Twitter, you have to have full context because a lot of people who follow you don't really know you in real life. 
So I'm just saying, I think it's stupid to go back and look at tweets from seven years ago and, you know, harass somebody and try to take away from their moment, their proudest achievement. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, he's worked his entire life for this moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I also, I, if he would have been smart, it wasn't smart what he said. Obviously, no. he takes it back, but also go back and why weren't those tweets deleted? Yeah, and, and Tyler says maybe the general public shouldn't have Twitter. There's no need to dig that deep. Uh, Richie says crying about nearly decade-old tweets. The world has gone soft, soft. And then of course points out back in the day when he was in high school ranks, nobody really cared. Nobody cared. Yeah. <laughs> words were just words. I miss what words were just words. <laughs> Like, like you're just goofing off, and and it's well, nobody cared too because he wasn't a major league pitcher at the time. That too, but I'm just saying I feel like everybody is looking to bring people down mm-hmm. today. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, I get on my soapbox about this because I think it's so stupid and so silly. Because because I I'm more recently removed from high school than you are, Aaron. <laughs> so I remember how stupid I was in high school and how I just tried to make people laugh. People that I knew. And people that knew me, and then I grew up and said, hey, you, you know, you, you should probably be a little more professional. Nukem was asked if he believes the tweets will cause a fallout among his uh, current teammates. His response, no, I don't think so. I think people that know that that's not the kind of person that I am, it's been a long time since then, and at the same time, I didn't mean anything by it. Yeah, and, and this he wasn't the only guy. We didn't even get to the Trey Turner stuff. Kind of the same thing, uh, some, some stuff that he shouldn't have said. Uh, some uh, homophobic, and I think he actually had had a couple of racist jokes that weren't good. But yeah, I mean these are these are athletes back in the day, young guys making stupid mistakes, and yet we're going to dig through it and, and bring it up for what? Like, what does that accomplish? What did, what did this reporter accomplish in doing this? He got a lot of clicks. He got his story got out. Got a lot of clicks, uh, and got people to root against the no hitter. Mm. I don't know. So uh, Newcomb will probably what have to go to sensitive tr- sensitive training class or whatever they call it. I guess. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, we'll talk a little Saints training camp continues to roll along. Who's been a star? Who's been a disappointment through the first couple of days? We'll break it down for you after the break. Welcome back to the show. So uh, last week we did the uh, ranking the top ten sports movies of all time, and all week long, Jake kept. Uh, Beating the drum for Creed. What'd you end up having Creed ranked overall? Number two. <laughs> Number two My overall. second favorite sports movie. So, with the air conditioner being out, I needed something to distract me uh, yesterday. So, I said, heck, I'm just going to rank Creed. A movie that I forgot that I actually went to the theater and watched. But I didn't remember a lot of it. So, it was good. I rewatched it. And, uh, yeah, it was very good. man. I, I was impressed. That actor, he tell me, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, he's a great yeah. actor. He's pretty darn good. I know. And there were a couple scenes in it, I got to admit, that had you know, producer goosebumps and were good. And Stallone was fantastic in the Here movie. Here it comes. Here it comes. But I, it wasn't a top ten movie. Here it comes. Okay. That's your preference. That's fine. What may help that movie so much, and you scoffed at me when I texted you and told you, them using you know ESPN part clips the in there, part in the interruption, and then uh, HBO Sports and that series that they do, 24 is it 24-7 where they, you know, they yeah. hype up the fight with the guy with the great voice and the music? Yeah. Oh. No, I, I thought that was great. But you didn't – like, I loved it because it paid homage to the original yeah. franchise. And just the little things, of, like I said, when they met in the restaurant and yeah. he's talking about the third fight yeah. behind closed – like that stuff like that. I mean, it was very good. I'll admit it. It was very good. It was probably a top 30 sports movie of all time. <laughs> But number two, now let's pump the brakes just a bit. It was my list. It was my favorite. Yeah. Creed's pretty good. And then the other thing that really stood out, Max Kellerman actually came across as likable in that movie. Uh, Debatable. (laughs) Debatable. (laughs) Yeah. So I take his one movie recommendation. I watch Creed, and then I'm like, all right, well, this is going to be kind of like, I'll pay honor to Jake Martin in the sports movies, and I'll try to rent I, Tanya. uh Because you had I, Tanya ranked like 10 yeah, yeah, it's it's good movie, man. I, I had it at ten because it was so new. Like I really like that yeah. movie, but I don't want to put it higher than yeah. ten. So I tried to find Itania. I was about to rent it, and then it didn't give me the option to rent it. It was you had to buy it, and I wasn't willing to fork over yeah. sixteen ninety nine to buy it. Yeah. 
But you need to see it somehow. Okay. Well, so hopefully maybe we'll let out Lalita rent it at some point for three ninety nine instead of sixteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good though. It's it's like a mockumentary type. It's okay. funny. You would you would laugh at it. So there you go, Jake. I did actually try to do some homework over this weekend. Uh, well, that's kind of the influence that you're I, having. It would have been better if you had done it before we <laughs> broke down the movies, but that's better late than never. It wouldn't have mattered. I still wouldn't have had Creed in the top ten. So <laughs> no harm done. Yeah. By the way, do you think if someone came up to us and was like, hey, we're filming a movie about this fictional boxer, do you, can y'all break it down for a minute? Like, pardon the interruption. Yeah, sure. Like, that was, I don't yeah, know, I was, across pretty strong. I was impressed with Kornheiser and Wilbon. <laughs> I was like, y'all are really selling this. I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah. All right. You want to get to some football talk? Sure. So let's, let's start with the Saints, and then I want to bring up this Eagle story because this is funny. Uh, but first, the Saints. Uh, I think the biggest news is they lose Traven Durrell. Yeah, broken arm. Yeah, I, I was waiting for you to, you know, validate that that was the biggest news. Yeah, I mean, an injury and Traven Durrell was hoping to be one of those in the mix to to get, you know, the fifth wide receiver spot. Yeah. And by all reports, he had he looked pretty good in a rookie minicamp and then a minicamp before. But yeah, uh, his uh, appears his uh, chance to uh, make the Saints at least for the time being, is out the window. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Um, so I thought that was kind of the biggest takeaway from the weekend. But there were some noteworthy things that happened at the Saints game. Now, first of all, you got to take all of this with a grain of salt because – We're talking about practice, man. Practice, and then you get – you're on Twitter, and then you read different reports, you know, whether it's from, you know, Larry Holder or Jeff Duncan, just different observations that they're making. So their observations sure. coming from – a number of different sources, but then, of course, you put them all together and you start to kind of understand what's taking place down there with the Saints. Yes. I think what everyone agrees on is Traquan Smith is the real deal. Yeah. He is making waves at camp. And listen, we should, again, take this with a grain of salt because we've seen Coleman be a fantastic uh, practice player, too, and mm-hmm. it hasn't always translated on the field. That said, we're talking about a rookie here from UCF who needs a little bit of polishing as far as route running but can make the big play. is is tremendously athletic, and he made one play. I saw that it was uh, maybe he didn't get his feet in balance, but he still made this incredible catch, and it was so impressive that Drew Brees ran to him uh, to celebrate with him. So, I mean, you know, this guy is getting people excited about about his his addition to this receiving core. You got Michael Thomas on one side. Maybe Traquan Smith could benefit from that. And uh, just going off of the first couple of days of training camp, uh, he has exceeded expectations. By all reports, he's had the most wow moments so far since yeah. training camp. Boston Scott had one of those wow moments yesterday on Twitter, uh, several different versions of a little wheel route down the sidelines where he, he had a nice pickup, nice game. He's had a couple of those plays, though. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of, of videos of him uh, making some plays out of that, and it, it's gotten some people excited about his potential. So I think it's very cool to see Boston Scott in this position to where, especially, you know, Mark Ingram out, maybe, man. We, we, we talked about the other backs who had a chance. Boston Scott has a chance to get on the field, too. So maybe he can he can make his pre- presence felt. Uh, Gus Kattengill, of course, our weekly guest. He joins us on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock. He will again join us tomorrow. He's been out at the Saints uh, training camp. He mentioned last week, and we talked about the quarterback battle for the backup job behind Drew Brees. The battle between Savage and Hill, what both of them offered. The consensus, at least last week with us and others, is that ah, Savage, what does he bring right. to the table? Experience. We watched what Savage did with the Texans. Yeah, but it, but he still has experience, right? He's still actually gone out there and played uh, and has experienced the game at that level, at the highest level. Um, so I, 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 you do have to give him credit for that. But that said... So far, he's the number two guy. He looks like the number two quarterback. And it sounds like uh, Taysom Hill is struggling a little bit with the offense. But he did make uh, several plays on special teams. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's always got that in his back pocket. Yeah. So, Savage is the early lead for number two. Hmm. And then, Sean Payton, typically pretty darn dry with the media, correct? Yeah, I know where this is going. The punt returners? Yeah. So, he's asked about the kick. Uh, return game and man Sean Payton showing a little personality yeah probably one of the top 10 quotes he's probably ever had I ah, don't go that far uh, well let's let's play 
Here's Sean Payton on the, the returners. Moments, how... plays. You know, the, the big thing right now is just the consistency. You know, we've got too many snaps on the ground. Defensively, you know, we'll have three or four good good plays, and then all of a sudden there's a big play that we've got to we've got to correct. And that was a problem a year ago. You know, our return game. It's kind of like the Bachelor right now. We got about 12 contestants, all with roses. We don't know who our returner is going to be. So. And if she doesn't like any of them, we'll bring in more. Listen, they, they got to do anything they can to become the returner. It's wide open. Limousine, whatever. Paris. Does Alvin have a chance? Absolutely, but he's got to he's got to show it. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to play our best our best player. Punt and kick return. It's two part series. I think Sean Payton was in his office writing down that line. Well, I'm going to use this. Or maybe he's just a huge fan of The Bachelor. Uh, maybe. There was one reporter who really liked that yeah. quote more than I thought it was. Well, because you get so tired of hearing just uh, Sean Payton talk when he says something refreshing. You got to giggle. Uh, yeah. Right. Encourage him to do it more. <laughs> yes. uh, I got good an, job, coach. I, I got an audience here. <laughs> yes. I felt good about that. Maybe I'll write a few more jokes. Uh, in between the jokes, though, there at the end, you put Kamara out on a return game? Yeah, I don't know about yeah. that, man. <laughs> I, I've been reading that, and I just don't know about that. Yeah. Don't want to risk it. Yeah. yeah, sure, he can make a, a, a game-changing play back there, but I just don't want to risk it. Mm. One more thing from the Saints. Um I thought it was cool. I saw a clip of Michael Thomas going against Marshawn Lattimore. Thomas got the better of him, but, man, seeing them go one-on-one, that was awesome. Mm. I, I, that, anytime they, those two were matched up against each other, if I was at training camp, I'd be glued to that. Uh, just two of the best going at it. But, uh, yeah, a lot of good things happening at the Saints training camp. Uh, move over to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. They had a presentation from the NFL and I do not believe it went over very well. No. So we've talked about this in the past that um, the NFL adopt a rule where a player will be penalized uh, 15 yards and potentially fined or ejected for lowering his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. We, we've seen how targeting the targeting rule is so subjective with college football. Yeah. We've seen how difficult it is for these referees to watch a play and judge whether or not it is uh, actually targeting, and they, you know, that's why they review it. So, referees come to the Philadelphia Eagles. They put on a presentation. They're showing clips of, hey, this is what you can and can't do. And <laughs> linebacker Nigel Bradham says, we were trying to ask questions to get a better understanding, and yet they couldn't really give us an answer. They couldn't give us what we were looking for. This is my favorite part of this story. Malcolm Jenkins, who had that hit on Brandon Cooks, who mm-hmm. took him out of the Super Bowl, they, the, the referee, they, they asked whether or not that would be uh, targeting or, 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 you know. An illegal hit. An illegal hit. So... They tell the refs were split on this. The refs there. Don't you think they would have figured that that question was going to come up? They had to, but they were split. And so, <laughs> as a team, when you're watching these referees argue over whether or not it's a hit, you're going, "You guys don't even know. How are we supposed to know?" And Jenkins says, "I'm going to make that play ten times out of ten. If it's a flag, it's a flag." Yeah. You can't slow yourself down thinking about rules in a split second. The game happens really, really fast, faster than the rules. I think take account for, but I won't let it affect the way I play. Mm. This is going to be messy. Mm. We're going to come on here probably every week and rant about a referee blowing a call when it comes to these illegal hits and how it's affecting the game. It's not – it's, it's going to – I understand what you're trying to do. Under the new rule, a player will be penalized 15 yards and potentially fined or ejected for lowering his head to initiate or make contact with his helmet against an opponent. So it's not even if it makes contact. If you're just lowering your head going for somebody, like that's where the rule is kind of confusing to me. The rule applies not only to uh, tacklers but linemen and ball carriers as well. Yeah, this is – I'm telling you, man, good luck – watching 22 players and 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 because you're going to miss some and coaches are going to lose their mind when you actually call one in an important spot and you've missed all these other ones 
So this uh, meeting, this presentation, uh, I'm sure they figured out oh, we'll just be in there 15, 20 minutes. It lasted over an hour. Yeah. Because if you're a defensive player, you, you've got a lot of questions, man. It's like, look, listen, y'all are already kind of handicapping us here. You think the officials should go in there? They'd be a little prepared. Hey, they might ask us about a Jenkins hit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make sure we're all together on this one. They weren't. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm already upset about it. Like, I'm just anticipating chaos with this. Uh, the refs told the players that they watched six games and found only three instances when the new rule would come into play. Well, that's good. Hmm. So maybe it won't be that big of a deal. Hopefully not, but I, I'll guarantee you it's a big deal, at least a couple times this year. 888-993-7762. It is the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. The Morning Drive is back after this on Sports Talk 97.7. Uh, Richie makes a good point here with the ball carriers question mark. Every ball carrier lowers his head to plow for that extra foot. Good luck with that rule. That is true. It's so true. And it's I, I think it's just an ambitious rule that I, I don't see any way how they're going to be able to enforce this on every single play. Again, you're asking these guys to watch 22 players and make sure they're not lowering their head for contact. I like how they describe the meeting between the Eagles and the refs as spirited. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's it's not going to it's not going to work. I'm telling you right now it's not going to work because they're going to make a call in a critical juncture. Okay? It's going to be a, a big big time at, at a big point in the game, they're going to make this call and both sidelines are going to have reason to be upset because one, the the coach that's you know whoever gets goes against the call, they're going to be like, why didn't you call this this on every other play when their team was doing it? Mm -hmm. And then later on, you're going to have a situation where you know I, I just don't see how you're going to enforce it. I, I that's that's what I've always come down to is these guys are human beings. There's no way they can watch 22 guys and keep check on lowering your head because because really you could call the flag every single play if we're being truthful and so you better make sure that your your timing of these calls don't affect the outcome of the game matt jones a six foot two 240 pound running back for the eagles says it's going to take a different approach to learn as individuals how to keep your head up and see what you're doing but it's going to be really hard because we're taught to run through guys and put our helmet where their number is at if it's like third and one and you have to have it and you, and you meet in the hole, there's no possible way you're not going to meet head-on-head head and helmet-on-helmet. Helmet. And then when they do that and they get the first down, you're going to have the other fan base going, wait, he lowered his head. Why isn't there a, why isn't there a flag? I'm telling you, man, it's going to be, going to be wacky. Uh, after a long summer, we are certainly looking forward to practice in the college football ranks. Uh, practice is getting under their way this week with ULM, of course, kicking things off on that Thursday their practices will start a little early, so it means on Wednesday, the Warhawks hit the practice field for the first time. In case you missed it at the beginning of the show, some news with the Warhawks involving a recruit and a guy that we certainly know well across northeast Louisiana and the state. The two-time state defensive, 5A defensive player of the year, John Bailey Gallette. It did not work out at Army. He gets his release. He's eligible immediately, and he has found a new home with the Warhawks. Yeah, you're talking about the career-leading tackler for West Monroe High School, now at ULM. This is a win-win situation for everybody involved. You keep a local product close to home. Maybe it'll open up a few more doors for ULM into West Monroe. The one knock against John Bailey, and he's heard it numerous times, that he's a step or two too slow. Well, it didn't hurt him in the 5A ranks at West Monroe. He's, he's all-time leading tackler for the Rebels. So, well, he will be on the field for ULM. On Wednesday, should be exciting to see John Bailey Gillette and see how his career continues now at ULM. Defense certainly needs his help. We'll get into that in a little bit. You look at ULM and, of course, the expectations for this year. Expectations is not a word we use a lot in discussing ULM football, but it certainly is this year coming off consecutive four and eight seasons. Are they now ready to take the next step? Coach V certainly believes they are. He's got a number of uh, stars on this team, including Caleb Evans, and then a lot of eyeballs on Marcus Green this year. 
Marcus Green, outstanding uh, return man. And then, of course, a uh, wide receiver. He's one of several playmakers they have at the wide receiving court. Yeah, and he's up for the Bolitnikoff, mm-hmm. which is really cool to see a guy from ULM getting that type of recognition. Um, yeah, listen, you said the expectations are high, and we continue to talk about our expectations for that offense, and they're very high after last year, you know, scoring 42 points per game. And in Mar- conference play. In conference play. <clears throat> and Marcus Green was a big part of that. Whether he was catching passes or affecting the return game, he was no doubt an impact player for them. Uh, we talk about his return game, but uh, he wasn't too shabby as a receiver either. Uh, 54 receptions for five touchdowns. Here's a little bit from uh, Marcus last week at the Sunbelt Conference Media Day just on this ULM team and the expectations he has. Definitely take the time because, I mean, you grow up playing high school, then college, and then after that, you, you know, the next level next level isn't promised, which is not promised out of high school, but you have you have more of a chance, you know, play at the next level after high school than you do going from college to the NFL. So, so yeah, I'm definitely not going to take this last season for granted. I want to go out with a bang this year. After, you know, my right now my focus is on this upcoming season, but after after that season, you know, my eyes will point in the direction of, you know, seeing where I'm going to train and get ready for pro day and the NFL draft and stuff like that. And hopefully hopefully I'll have a shot at that. What's your major at ULM? Uh, I actually graduated in May in uh, kinesiology, uh, fitness, and sports industry, and I'm about to uh, – in August, I'm actually about to start grad school in exercise science in August. So, never imagined you'd be a grad student. <laughs> never. I thought after your four years you were done, but you know, then I, you know, I got the sense of it when I, you know, when I redshirted, and they say, you know, you have five years to play for. So, after that, I was like, I guess I can go to grad school since I'm done. All right, a couple of things, and Paul Letlow, as I mentioned before, did a fabulous article pointing this out. And he mentioned it there. Marcus Green is a he's graduated. He had the option to leave ULM and be eligible immediately. But no, he went to Coach V. They had to sit down and said, hey, this is the only school that offered me a scholarship coming out of high school. I'm here for the long haul. Pretty good. It's awesome. It makes you want to root for him even more. Yeah, yeah um, I think that's a great story. And listen, Marcus Green, you just heard from him there. He's a smart guy. Graduating early, uh, might as well, you know, get a little bit of grad school in right but uh yeah i think it's awesome that he's he was committed to this team and to his teammates to come back and hopefully give you them that extra push to get to a bowl game uh, a lot of question marks of course remain on this defense the uh, worst defense statistically in the country last year had a lot of injuries one guy that did make an impact last year was uh, david griffith he made his way down to conference usa uh, sundown conference media day and griffith talked about what impact coach viator has made on this program now that Coach V is entering his third season as the head man. Everything that Coach V has said that he was going to do for us, he's done. You know, he's working to get us uh, brand new um, state-of-the-art equipment, make sure he's got the best nutrition plan he can get us, the best equipment he can get us, the best training he can get us. Um, It's very important because these things, they tie into, you know, having a good team and helping out. It's not the most important thing, but there are necessities that are needed to help your team be successful. And uh, I think Coach V has hit every mark that he could, you know, and he's still pushing to get us more and more, you know. We just got new uniforms, I think, you know. So it's just great that he's he's on board with us. He cares about us as not only as players but as the people, uh, you know, as a father figure to help us out, you know. It's, it's very, very nice to have someone like that here. Does it get easier to kind of show up every day and when you work and do all the extra it's definitely it's definitely easier when you know that you have a goal that's actually reachable and tangible um but in any sense you got to come and work every day you know it, uh, it, it it always starts with one step you know um we had three years ago man i'm telling you our like i told like i've said before our team would have fell apart after our first loss and we would have even when we were losing, though, this team was able to stay together and understand that, hey, like, we're not reaching our goal, but we're also not reaching our max potential. You know, there's plenty of things that we can do better in ourselves to help us be better team. And uh, no one was ever mad at each other. We were never pointing fingers. That was a big problem that we had when we were younger, too, and we with the old team. Um, everyone wanted to point fingers on who whose fault it was when something went wrong. And now it's more like, hey, man, like, 
it's all right. I'm right here with you. You know, we're here. Um, we're your team. We're your brothers. You know, it's more of a brotherhood now than just a teammate thing, you know. Pretty forthcoming there. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Owning the losses as a unit, you know, not pointing the fingers now. Now just owning it together and saying, listen, we didn't reach our goal, but we also haven't reached our potential. I thought that was a good quote from him. Darn media, the pesky press continues to bring up the statistics from last year. But, of course, now it's a clean slate because they can start over. Here's uh, Griffith on that defense and how they certainly need to improve. We had a lot of injuries on the defensive side. Um, a lot of them were in our backfield, and even some of them were with the linebackers in the D-line too, you know. But some of these guys that he brought in that weren't expecting to play, they had to step up really soon before they were even, you know, they were ready for it. And, you know, they handled it very well, I think. You know, especially without any experience coming straight from high school to playing college ball, playing against Auburn your first year, you know, that's not something easy to do, you know. So we were really happy with, with where they were at. You know, they, they, they made mistakes. But there were mistakes that were due to, you know, inexperience, not just because they didn't know what they were doing, you know. So we can always work with that. They're great players like Travion Webster, Rashad Harding. He was a great player. He's a great player for us. He's going to be big time this year. Uh, Webster is going to be a big time this year. Austin Hawley's going to be big time this year. And these are all our young guys who a year ago, you know, we were having to set them up. And now these are some of the guys that we're going to be having to rely on to be like, hey, you got to do your stuff because you're a big piece of what we're trying to make right now. Do you notice uh, any kind of difference, maybe not even just with the team and the, the program, but the fan base, the school? I mean, I can't imagine things would have been all that exciting, all that happy when, when you're on <laughs> No. What the, the kind of reaction to that? Um, like, just like us, you know, just like the players, the, the people at our school, they love new. So, you know, even with this new logo, they feel like the new change is coming, like this this change that we're going to take over, we're going to be better, we're going to be stronger, we're going to be everything we need to be to be the best team that we can be, you know, put out there for you guys. And they understand that. A lot of people actually know our football players. Like We're in a lot of different things on campus. So we have a lot of fan base coming from different ways. You know, we have a lot of guys who are in uh, fraternities and a lot of guys who do other stuff for the school. So it's nice to know that, hey, like, we're not, we're just regular people like y'all, you know, we just play some football. We like to hit some people sometimes, you know? But, um, so our fan base is definitely growing. We have our, uh, our older group that's always been with us, so we love them. We hope they keep coming. And, uh, you know, it's good. It's getting better. All right, Jake, as we've mentioned a, a couple times when talking about a ULM schedule, and from a guy that's now, this will be the 18th year covering the Warhawks, you have to make a splash at the beginning of the year. And they'll get that opportunity. At least they're not going on the road and taking on some Power 5 school and come back with a you know a 60-3 to loss. You get it home, Southeastern at home, Thursday night, you're certainly going to get an opportunity, you would think, to light up the scoreboard. Great way to start the year. You follow that up. You go to Southern Miss. Certainly, if you could win that ball game. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.